Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is The Vault by Access Hollywood. We're taking you on an epic journey into the heart of Hollywood with iconic interviews and fascinating conversations from the biggest stars in the business. The Vault opens now. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Zuri Hall. I'm Scott Evans. And you are listening to The Vault by Access Hollywood. Now, if you're listening to this when it comes out, okay, then you're more than likely getting into the summer spirit because it is summer. Yay, we made it. Yes. Granted, we live in California, but that's not the point. Not the point, Zuri. It hits differently. It's hotter on the skin, Mm -hmm. which means usually a little bit more skin, Mm -hmm. which hopefully means near a body of water and Mm. or a hose. Water hose. If you you just brought the Indiana just straight just right on out to California. Go back to Ohio. Go back to Ohio. What what means? What me and Toledo do is of no concern to you in Indianapolis. Okay? Y'all might not even have had a fire hydrant to jump into. Okay. Matter of fact, we didn't. We just the hose that plugged in to the faucet on the side of the wall of the outside of the house. Thank you. Forget the hose. We just turn on the, the outside faucet. And, and just kick your leg up underneath it. Just, kick your, just, just duck up under. Just tuck. Just <laughs> Everybody gets a turn. Three seconds, and then it's the next person's turn. Rotation. You know, you got to work with what you got. And then your mama getting after everybody talking about her water bill too high. <laughs> They're running up my water. <laughs> house. Pick one. Because when, when you went outside, you were out there until the sun fell. Till tomorrow. Tomorrow. And then it would all begin again. Yeah. Wow. Oh, summertime feels, right? Summertime. summertime. Uh, well, if you couldn't tell, we're clearly in the summer spirit, too. We're putting the sweaters away. We're breaking out the sunscreen. And we are officially ready for summer movie season. Mm. But this mm. is the vault, after all. So you know what that means. Today, we're going to be throwing it back. But this time, it's to summer movies of the 90s. Do you have any <sighs> classic summer movies, any memories around Ooh, those days? With so me, many. it's just like all my cousins. It's all the films. All, all of the cousins. All mm-hmm. of the cousins, weekend nights in the summer, we would be huddled around in sleeping bags downstairs in the TV room um, with the like the big screen and watching like every movie we could get our hands on. So it was yeah. like, I mean, we were, and we were very young with young parents. So we were watching things that probably should not have been watching, right? But I do remember The Mask, mm-hmm. right? Jim mm-hmm. Carrey as The Mask, Cameron Diaz. It was just like the craziest thing I had ever seen. Yeah. And I still want those teeth. Like I'm still working Wait, what? On... No, I had... Well, first of all, half of Instagram has those teeth, to be clear. <laughs> if I could only find the dentist. No, every dentist this side of Los Angeles, these big-ass veneers that yeah, people are want, running around with. I want the ones no. that look like you own a boat. I don't. Yeah. But I look like I could, you know what I mean? No, your teeth are beautiful as they are. Scott. Oh, yeah, but they could be a little bigger. That's all. That's all. And Friday, like oh, Friday, Chris no doubt. Tucker, quintessential Chris Tucker and Ice, Ice Cube, Cube. Nia yeah. Long. Mm. Like, you couldn't get mm-hmm. any better 
than that. Yep. I mean, and what I love most about like that film probably takes the cake out of all of them. Boys in the Hood is another one. Mm-hmm. Um, I know what you did last summer is one that comes to mind, Ooh. but that was closer to my like older teen years. I liked it, but when I think of quintessential summer, I think of Friday because also it just kind of sums up what you do in the summer to a certain extent. You're just around, <laughs> getting just into around. trouble, just like on people's porches. Okay, what's the move? Now we're heading down the street to his porch. Then we're going to go over to Daryl's porch. You're just on porches trying to stay out of trouble. To, to Daryl's porch. <laughs> that basically sums up my last four years living at my mom and dad's house. <laughs> the mean streets of Toledo, oh, Toledo. Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I just, I remember that there are so many one-liners. There are so many, it launched the careers of so many people, right? Helped yeah. cement even careers of so many others. It gave us the franchise, the the series would give us Mike Epps, Cat Williams. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It is, man. Yeah. It's, it's Friday so good, for me. Right? It's, it's so Friday good. It is definitely Friday. I remember immediately falling in love with Nia Long and she was just, as you know, viewers got to know her. And then eventually she ended up playing like that chick in every movie from the nineties. Mm-hmm. She was the girlfriend mm-hmm. you wanted. She was the best friend that you wanted. She was the chick who did not play any games, was so intelligent and sharp and just was going to put you on game. Like she was a blessing in the uh-huh. presence of all the, the men particularly, but people who didn't deserve her presence. And I loved, I loved that she gave us that energy throughout mm-hmm. the 90s. When I first saw her in Friday, I was like, oh my God, this is it. I'm about to chop off my hair. With that Tony Braxton. Come on. You know what I'm saying? With the just fade in the back. And that mm-hmm. was real crispy. And she was just so elegant in this really effortless, cool way. Still. And mm-hmm. the fact that she looks younger now than she did then. <laughs> right. It's just like the the riddle I can't solve. It's magic. It's magic. It's so funny because yeah. I was thinking about like some of my, <laughs> some of, what the hell are you stealing boxes for? <laughs> what the hell get fired on that day off? Like just the, the lines of the movie, yeah. uh, he gonna cry in the car. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like all of the, my neck my and neck my back. My back. <laughs> I still say that. It's so good. It's so good. But I, I will, I'll be honest with you. There is another movie from the 90s. I think it was a summertime situation Mm -hmm. that would change my life. Mm -hmm. My girl. Ooh, that one hit me hard. That introduced me to emotions at a young age that I didn't know were there. Dug deep, bittersweet. And and instilled in me Mm. a, dare I say- Talk about it. Fear, nay, nay, phobia Mm. Mm. of the bees. <laughs> Honestly, that messed me up to the point. I still haven't been stung by a bee. You know why? Because when one shows up, I get the fuck out. I've never been stung by a bee in my life. It messed shook me up. Hit the deck. I was like, oh, this stuff happens. Like kids just get murdered. Kill you. Like that is wild. The bee will kill you. I don't know to this day if I am actually allergic to the bee or if it is just and a a response my it's body has adopted <laughs> from the movie. It, you're not reacting to the sting. You're reacting to the memory of uh, seeing my girl. Oh my god! Oh my gosh! Like just wow. When a movie hits home, the impact. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just wonder as a filmmaker if you ever know mm-hmm. that you are 
literally creating art that is going to fuck kids up <laughs> for the rest of their lives. Oh, no one had that intention. Otherwise, that is a twisted soul. Yeah. But yes, that seems to be the collateral damage of such Woo. an iconic summer film. Um, okay, so we got to go to an ad break and then, then I want to dig into the first clip. But really quickly, I'm just so curious to know because mine, I love. Uh, do you remember what your 90s car was? Like when you did get your driver's license, it might have even been early 2000s. What was your first whip ever? My first car? Mm-hmm. Ford, it was a 91 mm. Ford Taurus SHO. Mm-hmm. I believe it was a 91. 91 Ford Taurus SHO. It had a Yamaha boat engine. As it should. And it was a five-speed. I had at least two 15-inch subwoofers in Ooh. a box in the Wait, back. Wait, hold on. Is this the car that you scotch-taped the glow-up lights to I didn't- underneath? Scotch tape, nothing. They you, self-stick. Yeah, we have lights. an episode as proof. I don't know if it's out or not yet, but Listen, I will dig through these archives. What I will tell you is that there was indeed four tap lights on the bottom of my car at any given moment. So in mm. the trunk of my car were the two, potentially three 15 subwoofers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and a box of 20 tap lights. 20 tap lights. The you know every once in a while they would fall off and I would need to roll up still crispy. Every once in a while, is that right? Are you yep. sure it wasn't every hour on the hour because you scotch taped them to the underbelly of your car? I need you to just own that. I need just receive it and just kind of like sit with it. What I'm gonna tell you right now. What I'm gonna tell you right now is that I can't confirm nor deny that Zuri. Uh, Scott is going to come to terms with the fact that he absolutely scotch taped glow in the dark lights to the bottom of his car. And we'll be back after this quick break. Don't judge me. We are back. Uh, Scott has finally owned up to the fact that he did, in fact, tape the freaking lights to his car. And we can now move on. We're moving forward with our 90s summer movies episode. Okay, wait. Wanna- Before you go to the clip, I have okay. a question. Okay. We're talking, go back to the 90s with me. Mm-hmm. Did you ever sneak into a movie? No, I truly didn't. I was Come terrified. I was such a goody two-shoes. I did sneak food and candy into all the movies. I would walk in there with a Coca-Cola, with a bucket of popcorn, that Valencia, my mama pop back at the crib. I would like, I would walk in smelling like all the things I was about to eat. I would have a little <laughs> ribeye with mashed potatoes. Like that I was shameless about. But I would never sneak in. I was afraid that I would get caught. You did it. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me just tell you this. Yes, I snuck into movies. <laughs> let me just say. But that yes. was usually because we always did a double feature. Like we paid for one and then mm-hmm. we saw, we watched that. And then, you know, on the way out, we were like, oh, actually, sure. why don't we catch a little bit of so-and-so? Right, because you what? can't get in otherwise, right? Like they yeah, you, you, you got to get into the space with the ticket for the first one. I mean, right? we're talking pre-COVID pre 911 so okay. like okay okay this feels very pre 911 yes yeah yes, yeah, yes. yeah. Okay, you know it was much easier you know you just walk in like oh i think i forgot my keys right and they're like you get yeah you 11 year old what, what keys <laughs> to what <laughs> <laughs> what i do remember was being 19 when i mm-hmm. learned you are not supposed to take food into the movie theater. Oh, you didn't know that? No, I, you know, my mom, my godmother, God like, we, we so just, that's just what, this is how right. we rolled. And it was oh, never, no doubt, 100%. This is not how it's supposed to go. It was just like, a, you know, put this in your pocket. You put this in my little bag and then we go. We even had like a movie bag. Like it was the, mm-hmm. 
the bag specifically lined with plastic, you know, specifically mm-hmm. to go to the movies. Mm-hmm. I remember being 19 and walking into the movie theater with like a, I mean, I'm, I was going to try to lie, but it was a Chick-fil-A bag. It was a Chick-fil-A oh, bag. Oh, man. Yeah. And they were like, sir, sorry, you can't bring that. And I was like, what? I'm going to see the movie. They were like, no, you can't bring. You're like, right. That is exactly why you can't bring that in here. Right. You can't bring, you can't bring outside food in. And I was so perplexed that I just kept walking. Into the theater or out? Yeah, because I was like, he can't be talking to me. I don't understand. Security no, was sir, called. No, sir, you, Mr. Evans with the Chick-fil-A <laughs> yes. bag. Right. Please remove yourself. Security was called and <laughs> I missed the first half of the movie. Stop. And yeah. You were 19 when you realized this. 19. That was the first time I was stopped. Mm, mm. Yeah. I always knew that we were smuggling goods. <laughs> okay, okay. So I was, I was conditioned. I was raised to finesse, you know. And I would always get stressed because, again, I don't like doing stuff that I could get in trouble for, get caught. And it's not the getting caught. I really wouldn't care about that. It's the mortifying embarrassment that comes with being the person who is being publicly escorted out. Shamed. Like I don't really care about being on the outside of the theater. It's I care about being like, dang, they got her. They got her. Should we get to some movies? I think it's only right we start with American Pie. Uh, this was a 1999 oh. comedy, so this is the end, end of that era. Uh, but it was a huge success. I mean, it spawned three sequels, uh, like five spinoffs, and the budget was just $11 million to wow. start. But it more than, oh God, I was going to say double, then triple, quadruple, bad at math. It went on to earn $235 million at the box office. That's what, 20 times? It's a number. It's the number, and it's a big one, okay? Access caught up with the star of the film, Jason Biggs, at the film's premiere. Listen to what Jason had to say about the buzz the movie was getting. Are you are you nervous about the, the hype around this? Because it, it's also it's solid hype, and you guys like like Fast Time Fast Times at Ridgemont High. It launched like Nicolas Cage and Sean Penn. All this, guy. this could do the same to you. Are you ready for that? Uh, sure, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, it's it's you know what that's that's really flattering, and if that happens, amazing. Um, but you know what, I'm really not expecting anything necessarily. I'm just. I'm just going to try to ride the wave as long as I can. I'm just happy to have been a part of this movie. And, uh, you know, if, if that brings about more work for me, then, then great. You know, I was just happy to do this, and, and it's just really, really exciting. You have some classic scenes in the movie. How fun were those to shoot? It was great. I just got to, you know what, I just got to go for it and, and kind of make a jackass out of myself <laughs> for the sake of a laugh, and, uh, you know, that's a good time. It was cool. One last question. Your parents are here. I saw your mom shoot. Your mom was shooting video of you. How cool is that? It's great, man. It's so cool. My first premiere, and then and my family's here to share it with me. It's really, really exciting. It's great. Come on. If it happens, <laughs> if it this movie was my introduction to Tara Reed. Most of the cast were unknowns coming into the film and then coming out of it. Well, no, actually, Tara, I feel like she did. She'd done some things. But this was my like, oh, there she goes. And now now we have Shark by Tara. Like it's a freak. Do you know she had a fragrance? Paul Shark. Shark by Tara. If you could just kind of like expand on that, just kind of like lives in a friend of mine's building. And I run into her in the elevator and she handed me a box. Tara or the friend? Tara. Okay. And I said, "Uh, what's this? She said, it's my fragrance. I said, why are you giving it to me? She said, because you deserve it. 
And I said, you're absolutely right. What is happening? I'm so glad I wasn't in that elevator. And then I had to do the thing that you do, you know, when you, before like cell phones, when you had mm-hmm. to, when you had to like, remember something, you go click. Right, right, you right. Blink your eyes, you go click. You I just was had like, to remember the moment. Ever. I don't ever want to remember this moment. I deserve. Oh, you wanted to delete the moment. No, I never wanted to. I never wanted to forget the moment. Oh, I never forget wanted to forget it. Oh, it. you said remember. I was like, damn, is that bad? What did it smell like? That is such a good question. <laughs> <laughs> that is a fair question. <laughs> I do remember saying that burns. No, you said that out loud. No. Okay, great, good, because I'm pretty sure no fragrance should burn, but I'm fascinated, and now I kind of want to buy a bottle. Is this still in, I almost said print, is this still in production? I I can't imagine it's not. Shark by Tara Reid. Is it there? Okay, Shark by Tara Reid. Yep. Um... It feels like a, it feels like a soft no. Okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you, I, this movie, right? Stifler, Uh Stifler's mom, Tara Reid, Bandcamp. We have these incredible characters in this unreal scenario. Eugene Levy. Right. Yes. We would be intro. I would be introduced. I don't want to speak for you or the audience, but I would be introduced to the what would become the eyebrow mm-hmm. of the century, only to be rivaled by my grandfather's eyebrows that you can indeed braid. Oh wow! They are that long. He has a hang time. Okay. I'm telling you, could put a bead on it. Could put a bead on it. <laughs> but I just I remember being like, man, I hope high schools like that. And how did it work out for you, Scott? Do you feel like it lived up to the American Pie hype? Nah, uh uh-uh. Nope, (laughs) certainly didn't. Certainly didn't. But what I will tell you is that it was a movie all its own. Yeah, But But there were no no pies getting there. There were no pies. There were. I can't confirm there were no pies. All right. Back on track. Back on track. It's been a a lot of, um, it's been a lot of things since then. But one of the things that make classic summer movies great right is that the cast feels like they're friends and you want to be in on that friend group right and when it Mm. works does it work Mm. one of the films that really pulls this off was 1999s we're going back to the 2000 Mm -hmm. when they were the nigga last year last year Uh, 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 i couldn't uh, uh. do it not a not a juvenile. You can't not have a juvenile moment. But it's it's crazy, right? You think about the best man. It's mm-hmm. it's when you think about a cast that you wanted to be a part of, a cast of friends that you wanted to be friends with. The mm-hmm. best man, Tay Diggs, Nia Long, seals the deal. So here's the crazy part about working at Access Hollywood. <laughs> During the film's press tour, we spoke with Nia Long and Monica Calhoun, and they. We're talking about the ensemble. You don't want to miss this. Check it out. This was this was just a group of friends just put together. Did it feel like that as you were doing it? Yeah, it did. It did. Shucks, Nia gave me fashion tips. <laughs> and I still need them. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> yes, I'm still throwing away clothes. <laughs> I told you I had a garage sale. <laughs> Look, I might be having, I'm going to have a Call dollar, me, a I'll dollar do sale. One. I'll do, definitely do another one. <laughs> I think, you know, in general, like, Monica and I have known each other since we were, like, 13. We used to, like, go, it was me, you, and Regina King. Like, the three of us were always 
on an audition together for something. Yeah. So it was great to see her again and to be able to actually work together. And um, it'd be beautiful to get all three of, of us. us to do something. Yeah. So it was, you know, being in an ensemble cast, it's like everyone has to take their moments. And what was great about it is that we're all professionals. And we, you know, really allowed each other. And Malcolm truly clearly defined each character so that we could all have our moments and, 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 and be there for one another. Come on. You know what I love most about that clip? What? When Monica talks about the fact that, you know, each of their characters was really defined and carved mm -hmm. out so that each of these cast members could step into the space of their character. And when you think about the fact that this was an all black cast and each one had a defined and unique and specific character, I will never forget that growing up as a young black girl in Ohio, you're right. It was like, this is the friend group I want. Mm -hmm. These dynamics, so many personalities at play, and, you know, traditionally or in some mainstream films or television series that featured mostly white casts, mm -hmm. it was like the black best friend, right? Or the sassy black front desk receptionist right. or these other really limiting ideas about who we are and how we get to serve a story. And so from the perspective of a creator, of someone who acts, who appreciates theater and storytelling... It's like, it's such a shame the lack of opportunities that really talented Black actors had, particularly in the 90s and before that, to dive fully into a character, into a role. Who is this man supposed to be? Who is this woman supposed to be? We can only ask that question so deeply because traditionally scripts weren't being written to tell our stories in a way that required depth from us right. because we were the sidekick or the punchline. And so it's awesome to hear her talk about something that, you know, we all sensed and felt and appreciated, mm -hmm. which is this is telling the story of this beautiful black cast. And it is a prime example of the fact that we're not a monolith, you know, and I also love them talking about going on auditions together at 12, 13 years old, like black Hollywood just coming up in the game together, right. supporting one another. And to this day, still making movies, working, creating and getting the accolades that they deserve. Yeah, to hear them talk about Regina King, right? Mm -hmm. Wanting to be in a movie together. And the fact that they had all been on auditions together coming up through the ranks, like you said, it also made me think about, like there are two things in particular that stood out to me from that movie, even in my adulthood. Terrence Howard, when he threw that guitar up over his shoulder <laughs> and continued to play the guitar in mm -hmm. the club, I, I remember being like, Oh, uh, that's how you get girls. Okay. So you, <laughs> you and you I bought a guitar. You got to be able to play a guitar like that. And I had my little recorder and I was like, the recorder. and I remember trying to, how do you can't, you can't flip a recorder over like that. I don't know how to, No. long story short, I didn't need to worry about that for much longer. Cause <laughs> It didn't take you where you were trying to go at the time. Uh -uh. Can I just say the biggest and most important takeaway for me from the best man outside of more Nia Long, um, this amazing dynamic of all these awesome women was Morris. Morris Chestnut. When I tell you, you he you, is. You kind of like, it, you you like breathed life into your microphone or something. Did you say Morris Chestnut? I said Morris Chestnut. When I tell you, <laughs> obsessed. I think... I can't figure out which came first. I think Morris might have come first. My first true obsession, like, oh, grown man crush, 
cannot wait. Like this is, if this is what awaits me in the real world, I was obsessed with this man and he was in every movie for the next day, every movie about black love, about friendship dynamics, about like everything. Listen, two can play that game. I was just Which like, still goes. If you go back and I watch you play it. that game today, just, it's still it on Christmas Day. I was it like, still works. Yes, yes, so good. Um, so that was my introduction, my true introduction to Morris, because like obviously he was in Boys in the Hood, but I think I was I was not at the point where I was like, oh, boys yet. But by the time, <laughs> by the time the best man came on the scene, you was ready. Clicked. I was ready. I was ready. <laughs> Zuri Ooh. said, "As a woman." <laughs> So I was like, no, you're not getting the house. No, you're not. So you're working with some ass, yeah. <laughs> Your daddy was like, yeah. Woo! That is Get upstairs and shut your door. <laughs> right. Oh, man. Well, it's listen, I'm going to tell you this. You, you can, your heart may smile to mm. learn that the best man is actually getting a limited series on Peacock. And so mm. far... Uh, most, if not all, of the original cast has confirmed that they're going to come back to reprise yeah. their roles for it. Yeah. And I'm just hoping that we get another one of those all cast dance credit sequences. You mm. know what I mean? <laughs> that like so, so accurately encapsulates any gathering the of African American people. <laughs> At a wedding, and while I while I do want to be clear that no ethnic group is a monolith, they got that right. They got that right. They that really is something did. I don't care what region of the United States you come <laughs> from. If you find yourself at a black function, <laughs> it might not be nothing but four square feet. That's all you need. That's all you need. That's, That's all you need. need. An electric slide, a Cupid shuffle, <laughs> and up until most recently, a step in the name of love. Hold on. We got a little wobble action now. Folks still okay. love the wobble. The wobble will <laughs> go down. The wobble will go down. So it, it will be interesting mm. to see what they do with the series when it yeah. comes to Peacock. But I know. I can't wait. I can't wait. It, it's limited, to... which is, I'm kind of like, eh. or we could just make it indefinite, you know, like we'll see how long it runs. You can give us like eight years selfishly, but it is. Nostalgia is so big right now. And selfishly, I can't wait for that moment to see where these characters that we came to know and love mm -hmm. are now. Uh, to close out today's show, we're going to throw things back to another movie from 99. So really, this was the 99 summer movies. This, this is just the, the movies of the 99. The, the, right before the new millennium. These are the <laughs> movies that hit. Yeah. The pre-Y2K episode. These are the um, 99 and the 2000. <laughs> the 99 and the 2000. One time. One time for the 99. So this one is a good one. <laughs> 10 Things I Hate About You. This movie was so huge. It was a massive success. Launched the careers of Heath Ledger, one of the greats, such a mm -hmm. talented actor, gone far too soon. Julia Stiles and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Mm -hmm. I love, love, love this film. Access spoke with Heath Ledger during press for the film and asked him about the trajectory of the teen movie genre, which at that point was just like peak genre. Like that was it. That was it. Listen to this. I, I think what the, what they want to see right now and why it's such a fashion with the teenagers and teen movies is, is it gives uh, our youth, our generation, something to relate upon. You know, they can relate to us, like, you know. And so, so it's nice for them. It's nice for them to see love and, and uh, fun movies for our generation. 
you know. But I, I don't think it, I don't think it's that much of a fashion. I think we've always had teen movies, you know, coming out here and there. There's just like a couple of years in between the genres. So you think there's more teens going to the movies these days, and that accounts for something? Um, yeah, I think so. I'd like to think so. I'd like to think that they're getting out off the TV and getting out there to see a movie, and you know. And it's good, it's good that all these movies, like teen movies, who are portraying, you know, they're giving out good energy. Like, you know, the Shakespeare in Love that won seven Academy Awards over war films and guns and stuff like that, you know. So, it's a good thing. It's definitely a good thing. Anytime you hear his voice, it is uh, kind of a reminder. They're like, man, this dude was like... He was cha- he especially later in his career was was choosing some roles that really challenged the way that people think about things, right? The way mm-hmm. that people think about people they thought they had an understanding of, or you know, judgments that they had. No, you're so right, and I I appreciate what you said about Heath because he was such a talent. And at the end of the day, you know, people make fun sometimes of these teen genres, yeah. or they're like, oh, these movies, whatever, but true talent was fostered in those spaces and some of them beat the test of time beat that you know child actor curse and went on to create really amazing art Heath Ledger being a prime example of that you know even Julia Stiles his co-star in that film I spoke with her recently and I was telling her about the fact that the casting director for the film Marsha for 10 Things I Hate About You actually said of all the people who were testing at the time and think about all the 90 stars, mm-hmm. right? At that, They were all in there reading for this role, these two roles. And she said Heath and Julia's chemistry just absolutely jumped off the screen. It was undeniable. Once you got those two together, there was no going back. That was it. Um, which really brings us into our next interview, which is the one that I did very recently. I was lucky enough to sit down with Julia and I asked her what the role meant to her when it came to 10 Things I Hate About You and what it was like to become this massive star at such a young age. And this is what she had to say. Um, It was a learning process. I mean, I liken it to, you know, when you're in your early 20s, you're, it's like being a baby giraffe. You're still kind of getting your legs and figuring out how to walk, so to speak. And I don't think that anybody should be quoted in print before they turn 30. So it was a lot of trial and error for me. But I was, I was lucky that, you know, I was able to go to college. And I think that that um, kept a, kept, kept, gave me a good perspective on what was happening in terms of becoming a recognizable actress um, and it was able to sort of steer my focus in other directions so I wouldn't go crazy. Um, Just really quickly, 10 Things I Hate About You, obviously another classic. Do you have any favorite memory from that film? It's way back in the memory banks, but um, yes, I mean, it was such a wonderful time for all of us. We were so young and like, I think it was mostly all pretty much the whole cast, it was like our our first big break. And we just had so much fun together and everyone was open hearted and, you know, not jaded. And um, uh, it was really an exciting time. Yeah, yeah. The casting director, Marsha Cross said that out of everyone's chemistry, you and Heath were just next level. Um, What was it like working with him specifically? Such an amazing talent, of course. Such an amazing talent and, um so alive like he just he lived life to the fullest and every moment he was very present he I I I see now I didn't realize it at the time but he was such a gracious actor so um the scene where I'm reading the poem and I I start to cry 
I did not expect his cry and we did it in like one or two takes, but at, when we were done and they were going to turn the camera around and get his coverage, he was like, he didn't try and compete. He said, this is your scene and I'm just handing it over to you. Like he wasn't going to, he wasn't going to start crying in the scene and he wasn't going to try and one up me. It was very much like, I'm, I'm handing this over to you. And I thought that was so mature of him. And he had amazing moments of his own in the movie, um, dancing on the, the stadium stairs and all that. So, uh, but he those just took a lot of like selflessness and maturity to be like, yeah. I don't need to upstage you. That's very sweet. It is very sweet. I love that. You you love to hear when co-stars can be gracious and generous, you know, because it's such a competitive industry and right. people are fighting for screen time and moments. And at this point, they're all up and coming. And so you do hear those horror stories of people being like, it was a nightmare on set and I hated him, even if we did have chemistry and this and that. Mm -hmm. So to hear that not only was Heath extremely talented, which we all know from watching his performances, but that he was gracious and generous with his co-stars is really cool, especially all things considered. I'm going to be honest with you. Okay. Okay. Anytime I hear Julia Stiles, I think of Sarah from Save the Last Save the Dance. Last Dance. Now yeah. I know that was nine, what two thousand one, I think. Uh huh. But uh -huh. considering it also gave me the my first glimpse that I can remember of Carrie Washington, right as the like the friend who got mm -hmm. got her girl together. You know what I mean? Right, right, I, right. Every time I see her, all I think is that with them sitting down and in, in the room, just, yeah, like <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Mm, 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 mm. Just bugged like, out I, in a mood. It's so good. It's I'm so sure good. Julie, that is the last thing Julie South probably wants to hear from people. You know what? I, the first thing I see, 20 years later, the, you know what I think of when I can't shake? Listen. Girl, saw, you just look like you about to bust the mood. When she, when she popped up on the screen in the Born Identity franchise, I mm -hmm. was like, look at Sarah. Good for you, Sarah. She done grown up. Mm. Mm, I hope she's still dancing. And it, I, I hope she's, she's still, still dancing, dancing every once in a while between her spy stuff. But I, <laughs> I am. Look at her go. Look at her go. She said that uh, the one thing that she's bummed about, or not regrets, she couldn't control it, but about that time, Save the Last Dance, when she was filming, she was the youngest of the cast. So she said Carrie and the rest of the crew in the cast would go out, and Fatima, the choreographer, they would all hit the scene in Chicago where they were filming. Right. But Julia was the whole 19, so she would just be like, bye guys, I'm going to go like read my scripts and See you in the morning. Which, so she was like, she wants a redo. She wants to be able to go out with them nope. and live it up together in Chicago. I vote nope. yes on this. I vote, I vote do the reunion, but I vote still, you got to go home and read the script because it was something about the fact that she couldn't hang out That's that right. made her, it, it brought, it brought that, that life that, that I want to be a part. I want to be a part. Yeah. A longing. The, yeah. A longing. That is the mm. word mm. in the movie. And so, yeah, I just, mm, mm, mm. and I can't believe that we have reached the end of this podcast before I remembered Independence Day 1996, Ooh. Vivica Fox and Willard Smith, along yeah. with a young, fresh-faced uh, Harry Connick Jr. Harry, oh, Harry Connick Jr. Harry Connick Jr. That was like, this was I the movie that, yeah, wah! Okay, I'm not gonna <laughs> do the lines, but like, it just, it yes. So the 90s gave us some real, some real gems. Yeah, some it real did. gems. It did. And I just wonder if there will ever be a time where a non-Avenger-like movie 
will give us major box office like draw like mm-hmm. these movies did. Like these movies made mm-hmm. a ton of money. Yeah. But now I wonder if you could like, you know, you'd have to get, I don't know. I don't even know who who could. You need a, no. It's a Marvel DC crossover <laughs> film. And uh, I don't know who show up, but it's going to have to be a lot to get those types of numbers these days. I mean, we're just, it's just a different age, right? Too, like, especially post-pandemic, People are setting up their own home theaters. They're more worried about, you know, being able to have those awesome experiences in the comfort of their home. So I just think we're in a different time now, which is kind of crazy and a little bit sad to think about. I don't I don't know that things will ever be the same. Not to get all emo. No, Um, you're right. Now I'm just just remembering that man who who told me I couldn't take that Chick-fil-A into the movie theater. Right. You can eat all the Chick-fil-A you want at your house, Scott, except on Sundays. So plan your movie watching experience. Can't tell you how many times I've gotten to the drive-thru and realized today is Sunday. It's a devastating. You didn't realize when you was the only person in the drive-thru? No, I thought I beat the rush. I was like, ooh, look at you winning on a Sunday. Well, I'll tell you this. For all of those who are listening, we want to know what your favorite 90s summer movie was is mm-hmm. has mm-hmm. been mm-hmm. would be so mm-hmm. let us know tweet us at access online or hit us on instagram at access online <laughs> and let us know at access online what your hashtag favorite summer movie is Perfect. we want to thank you all for listening and for hanging out with us we know this one has been um it was a ride and if you're still listening then you're the we love you if you're still listening we, we love, love you, you. We love you. And you must love us. And you only someone who loves us. There it is. Uh, I'm Scott Evans. And I am Zuri Hall. Be sure to subscribe to The Vault by Access Hollywood wherever you listen to podcasts, be it Apple, Spotify, or Google. Mm -hmm. (laughs) See you on the next one. Bye, guys. The Vault by Access Hollywood is hosted by Scott Evans and Zuri Hall, produced by Access Hollywood Digital's Jenny Depper and Rebecca Zamer, and Digital Media Management's Grant Rudder, Audrey Povar, and Ryan Middledorf, and Trey Boudet. Join us next week when we open up that vault again for more iconic celebrity interviews and all things entertainment. Rate, subscribe, and share. <laughs>